With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another episode of RB1 Colony Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Thank James. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined where he gets his name from, just Clark Barnes. It's just Clark today, as Jordan is out. Um, Clark, how are you? Doing great, Pete. And yourself? I am doing well. It feels good to uh, be back at two a weeks. I like it. I feel I was writing the news to get us prepped for today, and I was like, wow, we can actually cover news that is relevant, that like just happened, as opposed to where we normal, you know, when we were doing it in the offseason, we were doing Thursday episodes. You know, we always kind of tackle the Monday, Tuesday news just uh, a couple days too late. So it's nice. The still no news on Aaron Donald report right. is getting a little stale. Oh, my gosh. Whoever was Sean McVay, I think, was like, oh, I'd love to talk with him. It's like, well, of course, Sean. Like, let's let's actually get down to brass tacks and give that man a contract. Because um, that is Sean McVay's decision, not uh, not Les Snead. Let's be honest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is all your fault. Get, yeah. get it together. Uh, I will say, before we get into all that we have on the docket today, Clark, I am glad that you were the one who was on the podcast today, and not Jordan. Jordan, I love you. But, uh, Clark... I have found your doppelganger. He has been discovered. Uh, Becca and I are watching season 13 of Top Chef, and there's a chef on there from uh, Louisiana named Isaac Topes, I think his name is, T-O-U-P-S. He looks like you. Stats and information. Are you looking? Feverishly pulling up uh, stats. And information. Okay. Yeah, sure. I think I think a lot of it is thrown by the fact that in the show he has a very big, boisterous personality, and he's got the shaved head and, and beard that looks like yours. He looks. I think he looks like you. I think so. I'll take it. Yeah. Well, you should be happy to know that he is by far and away Becca's my favorite character on the season. So there nice. you go. I also found recently that I'm coaching for the Bills. Oh. Yeah. Oh wow! Congratulations! What a promotion! I I, I mean, it pretty good job role for me. I think <laughs> pretty good. Just. Just going from a uh, part-time blogger to a coach for the uh, Buffalo Bills. That's pretty good, man. Hey, full-time analyst and full-time analyst. blogger, right? That's true. Hey, this podcast is full-time. Let's never never pretend otherwise. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we've got news on the docket today, including someone getting paid. Not Aaron Donald, though, so don't get your hopes up. Uh, an earth-shattering trade and yet another season-ending injury. And then for the main course, we're going to give our preseason overreactions now that we're through three weeks of action. So let's get with the news. To start off our news today, Odell Beckham has got paid. 
The Giants made Beckham the richest wide receiver in NFL history today, signing him to a monstrous five-year, $95 million deal with $65 million in guarantees, which, if that's the legit guarantee money, since the NFL contracts are a GD nightmare of legal mumbo-jumbo, that would put Odell as the third most guaranteed money in the NFL, behind Matty Ice and Kirk Fully Guaranteed Cousins. So, moral of the story, kids, holding out works. So next time your mother tells you to take the trash out, tell her no until you get a pay raise. Yeah, good strategy uh, with the woman providing for your sustenance. Um, <laughs> Odell is one of my, I mean, if you watch football, unless you've just decided that you don't like Odell because he dyed his hair and hates kicker nets, he's one of the most exciting guys in the league. He's amazing. Uh, I'm glad he got paid. I'm a little, whatever. I'm glad he got paid. The $60 million in guarantees, give it a week. We'll see. And, like, I know or I can imagine it must be incredibly hard to walk away from a big number like that. But this is what we said about Julio Jones three years ago. Uh, I think it's going to take players saying I'm not taking more than a three-year deal. A la Daryl Revis to maximize, but I also can't tell a 25 year old to turn his nose up at 90 million, maybe dollars. Yeah. I think he is getting like 20 mil over the next year or so. So I like a large portion of that's getting paid out right away. So again, we've talked about this many times on, on uh, lengthy contracts and how that might be a dying breed in the NFL. Um, to what you were saying about kicking nets, though, he eventually, you know, fell in love with the kicking net and kind of repaired that relationship. And now he's got plenty of money to take the kicking net out for a real nice meal and a trip to literally anywhere in the world. Well, I, I don't believe in the Kobe apology where you just buy it a ring and then it gets better. It's <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> a great reference. That is that is not that is not a 33.3333% reference. That is a 100% reference. Anyone anyone who rolled NBA references. <laughs> everyone knows what that reference is. Yeah. Uh, well done, sir. Well done. Uh, so yeah, I mean Odell was going to get paid uh and he did. And so the guarantee money is all we care about. And you mentioned it, Clark, like we'll see how this actually clicks out because like I saw somewhere too, that 41 million guaranteed was getting passed around as like actual guaranteed money, which then is just perplexing that you would say 65 million in guarantee. Like, yeah, you know, and NFL contracts are just a, a mess to kind of make any sense from. So I won't bother trying. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how much legit money is going in Odell's pocket, no matter what happens. But regardless, uh, man got paid, man deserved to get paid. Well done, Odell. Yeah, now we don't have to worry about it. We get to enjoy watching him play. This is exactly, great. and he's looked great. He's looked great in practice and everything that's thrown. He's ready to go. If if you ha- if he is available there in the second round, draft him without even thinking about it. If he's there in the first round in the back end, and you're like, eh, do I really want Melvin Gordon or Odell Beckham? I love Melvin Gordon, but Odell Beckham's pretty damn good too. Yeah, do you want to take a chance on a guy who blew out his ACL for an offensive line who's looked absolutely horrible with a new quarterback and Dalvin Cook, or do you want to take Odell? Yeah, you take Odell. Next in the news, uh, earth-shattering trade that went down. Uh, Ryan Switzer just can't find himself a home. The Raiders sent Switzer to the Steelers today. And my question to you, Clark, because let's be honest, that Ryan Switzer, I mean, hope you have a great NFL career, but the amount of fantasy value that you're currently bringing to the table is maybe in the negatives. Um, Does this mean that John Gruden loves himself some Jordy Nelson? I saw someone else tweet this, and I'm so sorry that I can't remember who it is, but it was something like uh, Ryan Switzer went for more than Corey Coleman. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry I can't remember who tweeted that. That is not 
my thought, but good for him. Apparently highly <laughs> coveted. You know, like teams just can't get enough of Switzer. They just keep trading for him. So can't get enough of small white slot receivers. Yeah. Next Love thing it. you know, the Patriots, who are wide receiver needy, that's going to be Ryan Switzer's next destination. That would be a great trivia claim to fame for Switzer to be like, the only player to be traded three separate times before an NFL season. Right. Yeah, there you go. That might be the most famous thing that his career uh, produces. Sorry. That's that's a little harsh. My apologies. It's, it's odd that he goes to the Steelers. Like, don't they have a plethora of... Yeah. So I tweeted this out from the fake teams account when the trade went down. The Oakland Raiders now have basically Amari Cooper and Martavis Bryant. And then someone, everyone kindly reminded me Jordy Nelson existed. And I was like, oh, well, does he really? Um, the Steelers have a pretty crowded receiving core now with Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, who's looked great in preseason. And we know that the Steelers can like kind of produce these rookie wide receivers and, and actually turn them into someone. Now you've got Ryan Switzer. You also have Darius Hayward Bay, who's, you know, good for a couple targets here and there. Um, they've got, you know, Le'Veon Bell, who's a legit wide receiver that they kind of implement into that offense. And then their tight end is also pretty good. Who is that guy? Jesse James, right? Yeah, and Vance McDonald, who and Vance McDonald, my hopes for. Yeah, I don't really understand that one, but you know, sure, whatever. Um, so yeah, it does seem like there's a lot kind of going on in the receivers in the Steelers receiving room. But hey, you know, there's a reason why you're coaching the uh, Buffalo Bills, and I'm just sitting behind a microphone, and we're not in the Steelers organization. Maybe they know something we don't. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. We'll see, though. Uh, moving on in the news, the Jaguars uh, lose a wide receiver, Marquise Lee, who is out for the season with a knee injury after he took a hit during the Falcons game. Um, did you watch that game? Because the streets are saying that the hit was caused by the new NFL helmet rule, and I wanted to see how much legitimacy there was to that. So I've had a lot of talks this week about confirmation bias. I have a lot of people shadowing me for work and it's important in what I do to make sure that, you know, we have to make a lot of predictions and when you get a fact that supports what you already thought, it's important not to really dive into that. Now I do that in my fantasy life all the time, <laughs> but at work that's irresponsible and I should Absolutely. be fired. So uh, I think what we have here is confirmation bias. Uh, people don't like the helmet rule. The guy went low on a wide receiver that's, you know, pretty big wide receiver. And that's something we see happen all of the time. So to say that it happened because of this rule, I think you're just smarting because you don't like the rule and you're just trying to see. So I told you. It's like, well, guys, this happens. It's how literally everyone tackles Gronk. It's how Gronk tore his or busted his knee when uh, freaking yeah. TJ Ward just went rocketing at his knees. And that was a dark moment in Patriots history. I mean, it's uh, crappy. I know I, I bag on the Jaguars a lot, but you don't want to see anybody get hurt. You don't, you especially don't want to see it in the preseason. Yeah. But I've been watching a lot of these games on Game Pass, uh, and a lot of the younger coaches in McVay and Nagy seem to understand, you know what? It's the preseason, and I don't care that I have things to sort out. I'm not going to play my guys. And the old people calling the games seem to just not understand that, like, this is what can happen when you play your guys. And, who knows? Marquise Lee could have gotten hurt in the first week of the regular season anyway, but you're not going to get more out of Marquise Lee by playing him in the preseason. I don't care. You are stepping into expert uh, hosting levels right now because you just made a perfect transition to what I wanted to talk about because it is interesting because McVeigh has not played Todd Gurley and Todd Gurley even talked about it. He's not getting played all year in the, or all preseason, all four games. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Same with Jared Goff. First round draft pick is ruined. Oh, he's he's on the air. Sean McVay's just benching him for shits and giggles just to prove that he's a great, great coach. Doesn't need Todd Gurley. Um, And so, like, it's interesting because I guess it really, to me, it makes sense. Like, let's be honest. Why would I put out my best players in such a physical sport where injuries are just going to happen? Like, why would I risk that when those games don't matter? Julian Edelman last year tore his ACL in the preseason. And, like, plenty of preseason injuries happen to very important parts of Super Bowl, playoff, any kind of contending team. Why bother risking that? Like, use the – I mean, this is what the Patriots and a lot of teams have done this. Uh, a lot of kind of, you know, little more cerebral teams have done this in the past. We're just use the first four games of the season to kind of get shit together. Like, you'll see – I mean, I, I'll speak about the Patriots because this is the team I know. If they go two and two through the first four games, like, everyone is pretty chill about it relatively because they're like, hey, you know what? Yeah, they're going to go two and two, but they're ultimately still going to end up 12 and four or, you know – 13 and three, like that's not an issue because they'll adjust, make adjustments and they'll rattle stuff off. Like it'll be interesting to see because the Eagles are also doing it. It'll be interesting to see if the Eagles and Rams benefit from this strategy. And then if more teams implement it and if the NFL just starts to kind of be like, well, maybe we don't need four preseason games. Maybe we just need like two preseason games. And it's really just catered towards rookies and like veterans who are trying to make a roster and just kind of seeing people play. We don't need four of them. Will the NFL do that? No, because the NFL needs to make money, but it'll be interesting to see how this ultimately plays out. Yeah. And I don't think there's any data on teams who rested their top five guys versus teams who didn't. So it's just a lot of anecdotal stuff. Um, It would be interesting to see. Now I can see, playing your good players when there's a battle. Like if you're trying to sort out who's your left tackle. Right, right. Okay, understandable. But Marquise Lee was going to start for the Jaguars. Like Todd Gurley is the running back in LA. He doesn't freaking need to battle anything. Plus it gave them a huge look at John, John Kelly. Yeah. Who's looked phenomenal for them in the backfield that the rookie that they drafted. And so now they know that they have a legit running back behind Todd Gurley, which is a nice little, uh, you know, thing to have. Yeah, you yeah. said there's no there's no data to back it up. It'll be interesting to see if there's they start accumulating data now that teams are starting to do it. Yeah. Well, I hate to see guys in the preseason. That's just so I bad. just think the preseason's well, preseason's dumb. Let's be honest. Um finally in the news, Eric Decker retired after a long career as a New England Patriot. What a career he put together in New England. Truly remarkable stuff. Yeah, Eric Decker in the class of, he's all right. He's all right. Like, you know you picked him up off the waivers a few times when he was well past his prime, just hoping. Well, know? he all, I mean, I joke. Obviously, he did most of his damage in Denver when he was part of that insane Broncos offense with Peyton Manning and Damaris Thomas and Julius Thomas. Never forget, he was good at football yeah. once. Um, but yes, but he had some nice games in with the Jets. You were kind of hoping for maybe something. And he, he had uh, some lukewarm games with the Titans, I guess. He was not exactly who they needed him to be. Uh, and so he's retired. And the biggest question that I'm left with after his retirement is who will the Patriots add to the team to rebalance their attractiveness levels? Because Decker was there to fill the Jimmy GQ slash Danny Amendola void, which, let's be honest, he tried his best, but no one can replace Dola. Um, but who's going to fill the Eric Decker void now? They're reeling. They lost Deion Lewis this offseason. They really too. are. Uh, it's it's going to be tough for them. I saw I saw the Patriots' current odds 
for for finishing fourth in the AFC East, which is entirely possible with a reeling Patriots team that is kind of is drastically dropping in attractiveness and really has nothing going for it from a pure like hunk level. Um, I believe the odds were like 500,000 to one that the Patriots would finish fourth in the AFC East. At those kinds of odds, I would be like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to throw $10 down and be like, if the Patriots do just completely collapse, Brady, God forbid, knock on wood, knock my head, do everything that like would prevent this, hurts himself. And, you know, it's sitting out for a decent amount of games this year. And Bill Belichick gets like abducted by aliens and all this kind of shit happens. Maybe they do. Pete, just do a public service. Go to your local food bank and hand them that $10. Instead of, <laughs> instead of wasting it there. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, I think the Patriots are going to trade for Vernon Davis to fill that attractiveness void. That would be terrible because the Patriots keep picking up over the hill tight ends that I love. And Vernon Davis is like top of my list right now. I know. Um, older tight ends that I just will pick up and hold. Oh, don't do that. It would be perfect. It would be like the rumors of Eardress Elba being casted as James Bond, the elder statesman coming in to perfectly fill the attractiveness void. And by it's the perfect. way, why not? Eardress is saying that he's not doing it, though, because the directors are all poopy and stupid and all that jazz. But no, it, I mean, oh, my God, Eardress, come on, play James Bond. You'd be beautiful and wonderful at it. Um, so there you go. There's the news. A lot of good stuff happening. Um so now moving on to preseason overreactions and everyone's always says that you can't get hyped about the preseason and that it's stupid and worthless and people who take anything from it are idiots. Well, Clark and I are here to buck that trend. Preseason is important and you can learn everything you need to know from it. So with that new motto in mind, uh, we've come up each with three overreactions that we're taking from the preseason and into our fantasy drafts. So, uh, Clark, you want to start us off? Yeah, this is a big one. Got a lot of attention. Uh, John Ross. John Ross. I, I have been loving getting John Ross in the 16th and 17th rounds of best ball leagues. Uh, the, speaking of confirmation bias, fastest guy in the combine ever. Uh, hurt himself last year and got off to kind of a rocky start, you know, uh, according to reports coming out of Bengals camp, right? So this year, everything has been super positive. He is the fastest guy in the league on a team where there are too many stars to spend any time on him. Uh, he blew the doors off on a little double move. On Not Whoa. the fastest corner in the league. Okay. So you have to look at who is playing. I, I believe it was Vontae Davis, not a speed demon. But just wide. Oh. Wide open. And then a little shimmy to get into the oh. end zone. I am, I am completely overreacting. You said you said that Vontae Davis is in the fastest corner in the league, which is fair. But dear God, you look at those re- those highlights. He looks everyone on the field looks like they're running in molasses. Like he performs the double move on Vontae, who first of all, as soon as he comes out of that fake break, just basically grabs him and like holds him and <laughs> yeah. almost tackles him to the ground. And yet John Ross just kind of shrugs him off. And suddenly is 30 yards down the field for the bomb and like jukes three people out of their shoe for the touch. It it was insane watching that highlight and being like, well, okay, you know, John Ross is fast, but maybe not that fast. But you just compare him to the other humans on the field and you realize that these humans just can't cover the same amount of ground that he can as quickly. Yeah, it's the kind of thing you see 
uh, a college player doing. And right. We realize that guy's going to get drafted. Yeah. It's and like, you watch- don't see that in the NFL. No, it's like watching uh, uh, Reggie Bush USC highlights. Where Reggie Bush just is faster and better than everyone on the field, and you, yeah, you like you said, you don't see that in the NFL. No, I, I think the thing that John Ross has or people have against John Ross is that they very much think of like the small, petite, super speedy receiver being like kind of a gimmick, you know, receiver and, and not offering all of that much. It's kind of like the deep ball or nothing. I think Ross came into the league an underrated uh, route runner. And and has someone who I think has probably been developing and working on that. And when you are pairing him in an offense with AJ Green, Tyler Eifert, Joe Mixon, as well as um, Taj Boyd, is it Taj? No, it's not Taj Boyd. What's Boyd's right. first name? Taj Boyd was the quarterback that the, from Clemson that the uh, Jets drafted and failed miserably. Anyways, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. There you go. Jordan was hyped on him. That when you put them in an offense that that has that many weapons that defenses need to worry about, I think you're going to be able to utilize John Ross's speed and utilize him in a variety of different ways. Um, so I I think he's someone that either in best ball or or if you're doing just kind of your basic fantasy draft, either in a huge league or if you're in a league that he falls into the waivers, you know, click that little flag next to his name. And if you're starting three wide receivers and you go heavy on quarterback and maybe yep. get your tight end early or heavy on running back and get your tight end and quarterback early. He's a really good third receiver. And so I just have a little list here. I'll do this for all my guys tonight. Of people going before John Ross, just to give you a little flavor, Josh Doxson, Taewon Taylor, Danny Amendola, Devonte Parker, Keelan Cole, Alan Hearns, Kenny Stills. I'm not saying he's going to be absolutely the best, but do any of those guys really get you excited? Yeah, no, of the names you listed, there was probably two that I'd be like, no, I'd take those comfortably over John Ross. Everyone else, yeah. I think Taewon Taylor and uh, Kenny Stills, maybe. I would I would comfortably take over John Ross, but everyone else, yeah, no. Yep. No, I like it. He is definitely someone that has generated a lot of buzz in the preseason, um, and rightfully so. He's looked good. All right, so my first uh, preseason overreaction, Christian McCaffrey is the real motherfucking deal. Uh, all off season, Carolina just couldn't shut up about Christian McCaffrey and the coaches were all like, Oh my God, he looks amazing. And all this jazz. And you know, that's a lot of off season talk and you know, people are just coaches love to kind of spout smoke. And so, you know, as a professional analyst like Clark and myself, you tend to tune that stuff out when you're, when you're thinking, because you're like, well, okay, coaches calm down. Uh, but good Lord, he has looked every bit, uh, as advertised so far in the preseason, he's had 21 carries, for a whopping 151 yards and two touchdowns, plus a nice uh, 73 yards and eight catches. But the biggest thing that was kind of a worry, I guess you could say, about him coming into the NFL and just kind of something he didn't necessarily do all of that well in the NFL last year was running between the tackles. He has been doing that in the preseason, and he looks strong. He is making people miss in the hole. He is breaking tackles. He is pushing the pile. He looks like a perfect fit in North Turner's offense. Um, and if you haven't drafted already, if you still have your fantasy draft coming, target Christian McCaffrey because he looks amazing. I think he could easily be your RB1. He could fill that role no problem. Yeah, in PPR especially, he's oh creeping up there. And then... And even in regular leagues, I think he's kind of creeping into the first round, you know, end of the first round, and I'm feeling really good about it. Uh, last year, the Carolina offensive line was atrocious. So, yes, he didn't look good running inside, but no one looked good running inside. Uh, this year, he's looked much better. Uh, 
it looks like they're using him more creatively, even though it's the preseason where you generally see no creativity on offense at all. And I don't know, unless they're just trying to trick people with their preseason, <laughs> like, they're going to use him all the time. And the worry is they're going to use him till he breaks because he's little. And, and that's legit because he is a, on the smaller side of running backs. But they used him like that at Stanford, too, and he never got hurt. So it's a tricky one. And the thing is, is you also like they're going to use him till he breaks. You also I mean, you can't overlook the fact that they also have a six foot three, 250 pound running back in Cam Newton back there who they also utilize in the run game. So I think he's going to be on the field all the time. But I don't necessarily think that that means that he's going to be toting the rock every single possession or or have somehow involved. So I think they'll definitely monitor monitor his touches. But my God, yeah, he has looked fantastic, uh, and and he has looked all every ounce of of kind of what was touted about him coming into the draft. And someone who you look like, yeah, I understand now why the Panthers spent a top ten pick on him. Yep, I like it. So my next one, again, not not a huge surprise. Had a lot of buzz this weekend. Is uh, old Crazy Legs Adrian Peterson? Old Crazy Legs. Or- Oh, let's make that stick. The football team <laughs> in Washington. Uh, I, this is not a return to form for someone who, revol- not revolutionized, but was who you thought about at running back for several years in the NFL. Uh, I, I think what we have here is a mix of opportunity uh, and perfect role fit. Uh, Washington already wanted to split up the passing game and the rushing game. They don't have anybody on the roster that can do both. I think there's plenty for Adrian Peterson to get after Chris Thompson, even if they try to feature Chris Thompson, uh, getting a thousand yards and eight and eight touchdowns seems really feasible. If he can hold up, uh, I know that he didn't last year, but you know, we've seen him really tote the rock, you know, hundreds of times, just 11 attempts, 56 yards and, and looked pretty good. Yeah. So because we talked about AP on last week's podcast when he first signed with the team from Washington. And I had a lot of reservations simply just because what we was saw. That a, was that an inappropriate pun? What? I had a lot of reservations. Right. The Washington. Washington. Reservations. No. Oh, no. It's that was not. Really inappropriate. <laughs> now it is. Oh, Lordy. Um, I had a lot of hangups <laughs> on Adrian Peterson um, simply because of just what we saw last year from him. Uh, and if you, I'm just ignoring what we saw from the preseason game last uh, this past weekend, but from what we saw last year was that you had to give him basically 25 plus carries. He had to be the going motor for the offense in order to actually produce anything worthwhile. Do you, and I just quickly peeked at at his current ADP, and I'm sure, like you said, you said for everyone, you're going to list who's kind of going around him. But do you – I guess we've seen a, this from Adrian Peterson before, where he's kind of looked strong, he's looked powerful, he's looked good. But then when he's put in kind of a, a secondary role or not the bell cow role, he hasn't really been able to put it all together. Do you feel that he is maybe either moved to the point where he can accept a secondary role, not the go-to guy, and can still produce in that level? Or do you think Washington is going to be like, no, 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 AP, we brought you in here for a reason. We're going to give you a shit ton of carries. We're going to have Alex Smith 
you know, it's going to be you, Alex Smith, and then Chris Thompson coming in on uh, on passing downs. I think it's going to be a 60-40 roll with Peterson getting the lion's share be- hmm. just because of what Chris Thompson does. And they've tried giving him the ball a lot, and he just has shown time and again that he just can't hold up. I think this is different than the situation that we saw in New Orleans, and I think everyone references New Orleans and then the the Cardinals. It was one season, and maybe that was what the rest of his life is going to be like, but I just think that he's good enough to get 15, 16 carries a game and be a flex for you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if anyone can do it, I would not put it past him. The guy is still in a phenomenal shape. And he's going in the eighth or the ninth round, so that's there will probably be someone like me in your league who gets excited and trigger happy <laughs> and panics that they don't have any running backs and they see Adrian Peterson and you know one Click last him. hurrah. But he's going after guys with some question marks: Sony Michelle, Isaiah Crowell, Rashad Penny, Tevin Coleman. I mean, you're not passing up a sure thing anywhere to get Adrian Peterson. Fair. Isaiah Crowell, I'm pretty big on this year, but I understand that he is he's currently dealing with injuries uh, and the Jets are the Jets and you can never trust him. But Crowell is, I think, a, a very solid running back who in the right situation can produce because he did that in Cleveland. Um, but I do understand that, like what you're saying, is, is, is the people who you'd be maybe passing in order to get AP, you're not passing any surefire picks, though I am very high on Tevin Coleman this year, much to your dismay. I know that's a that was a part I know, of the job. It was a slight jab. I I, yeah. I I know I know how you operate, Clark. Trying to always get under my skin, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I would be I would be very impressed to see Adrian Peterson produce something worthwhile this year because last year everyone kind of came into the season, myself included, being like, "Yes, let's see let's see AP do this outside of Minnesota," and it just didn't work out. And then he put together two games and. Arizona where you're like oh the old Adrian Peterson is here and then he just couldn't do it for a full season so I'll be very curious to see if he can do it for a full season and if he can yeah there's no one there's no one in his way so if he, if he can be the Adrian Peterson of old or even like 70% of that yeah you're getting you're getting easily a flex even maybe RB2 option there so yep. can't complain okay um my second overreaction uh, is about the Oakland Raiders. And this message is going straight out to you, Marshawn Lynch. It's time for you to go back into retirement because Chris Warren is the RB1 now. Uh, the undrafted rookie has looked phenomenal in both camp and preseason so far. In week two, he put together a very rare 100-plus yard performance in a preseason game, uh, totaling 110 yards on 18 carries. If stats are your fancy, he has the most rushing yards this preseason by over 50. Um, But the biggest thing that's going for him is the fact that he is a big physical back who runs violently and is basically a young Marshawn Lynch uh, and has looked every bit the part and seems right up the uh, old school, right up the alley of old school. Give me a fullback and three tight end sets, John Gruden. So, I think the Raiders have kind of been looking for a running back. Marshawn Lynch has looked pretty good this preseason. But again, is he going to play a full season? Is he worth any kind of fantasy investment really for a full year? I don't not entirely know. I think Chris Warren has m- certainly proven himself in Oakland to be the guy of the future. And I wouldn't be surprised if they turned to him sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, there's not a lot of in front of him, and I I feel like we're talking down to all of our old fantasy favorites, talking about Marshawn Lynch and Adrian Peterson not being able to hack it. Uh, but Marshawn Lynch has looked okay. Uh, Doug Martin has not looked that great. And granted, I guess backups and second teams, uh, Warren has looked sharp. I think this is the kind of guy that you don't draft, but you write down on a little piece of paper when you hear Marshawn Lynch is having some hamstring problems and Doug Martin tweaked his ankle. Maybe a sneaky DFS play or a plug and play for the bye weeks. I like it. No, I 100%. Yeah, no, I'm not. I wouldn't say unless you're in like some sort of absurd 50 person league and he has to be your RB2 because <laughs> those leagues exist. Uh, no, I'm not recommending you draft draft him but i do think he is certainly someone again if you see him on the waivers click the little flag get all the notifications about him and whenever inevitably marshawn lynch tweaks something because he had a fantastic football career and the body eventually breaks down especially when you run like he does uh chris warren has cemented himself as that guy who's going to be right behind marshawn and could once he takes the starting job I don't think he's going to give it away and he's going to be someone you're going to want on your team. So Chris Warren, keep eyes on him. Yeah. And I think the Raiders are going to be okay this year. I know it's become super hip to talk to about how them. bad the Raiders are, but um, I haven't heard a lot of people say this, so I'll say it over and over and over. Uh, David Carr broke his back last year. Um, so yeah, he wasn't especially sharp. Yeah. Uh, Tony Romo broke his back and didn't look especially sharp. And, I know we like to bag on Tony Romo for his postseason performances, but really good quarterback. Um, I, I don't know if David Carr is, or Derek Carr is there yet, but it broke his back, guys. I think they're going to bounce back a little bit. Look, I don't want to say anything, but uh, a broken back forced Bruce Wayne into retirement as Batman. So, yeah, like if if Batman can't survive a broken back, then you can't expect Derek Carr to have put together a successful yeah. NFL season with a broken back. All of our great superheroes, really. I mean, <laughs> the two biggest ones. My yeah. last guy, uh, <clears throat> it's a transition from my... That's perfect. Uh, that was great. That was seamless. So, a lot of guys broke their back. My last guy. <laughs> uh, this guy has no ADP, and I feel like I will feel the collective eye roll yes. when I say his name, but... Uh, Alfred Morris looked pretty good for the 49ers. <laughs> um, all the backs in San Francisco are little guys. I know we get excited about the little guys getting big roles, but there's, I believe that there is a reason Jarek McKinnon has never been able to answer the mail as a feature back. It's not because he's not talented or insanely athletic. He's just little, and it's there are guys that can do it. There are the Devonta Freemans. There are the Ray Rices, but those guys come along really seldomly, and usually they end up more like Jarek McKinnon. We get really excited, and they just can't carry the load. Uh, Morris has a history in the Shanahan offense, and in the Shanahan offense, it's his own blocking scheme, and you don't need the best athlete in the world to run that scheme. You just need someone who's particularly good at running that scheme. So I think even if McKinnon gets 150 touches this year there's still plenty of room for alfred morris to hand in a really unimpressive thousand yard eight touchdown season kind of like cj anderson did last year and for someone who's free playing behind guys who are already banged up 
I just feel like you take Alfred Morris in the 15th round and just kind of see how it plays out. First of all, love the phrase, answer the mail. That's a great one. Going to add that to my repertoire instead of being like, answer the call. or Put that one next to peel back the piano curtain. Exactly. Peel back the piano curtain. <laughs> answer the mail. Those are staples now. Um, yeah. I don't disagree with you. I feel like the biggest thing that Morris has going for him is if he becomes the de facto goal line back, right? If you just get a situation where as soon as they get inside the 20, they just put Morris back there. Morris just being the bigger physical back, if he cements that role and, and can just fall into the end zone eight times, regardless of his yardage count, that's a viable fantasy option. I mean, touchdowns are king, uh, especially in standard formats. Yeah, and the, and the context of this is he's free. So he's just free. think of any running back that has an ADP, and you can think, oh, this guy might get eight touchdowns. So, yeah. Drop and the beat flies in San Francisco. Yeah, and the beauty of him being free is, I mean, we've talked a lot about clicking that flag and, and watching these people play out, but you can you don't need, if you're drafting now or if you've already drafted, and you're like, oh, shit, I totally messed up. Uh be patient. You can see even week one. If week one, Alfred Morris, you know, does even anything good. Like, that's the key. This is where you as a fantasy owner can outsmart the other people in your league. A lot of the times the people in their league in your league are only going to react if they put together a huge performance, right? If it's like two touchdowns or 100 yards, then everyone's like, oh, my God, Adam on the waivers. But if Alfred Morris comes out week one and gets, you know, 10 carries, eight of those carries come within the 20 yard line or whatever. You know, if the majority of the red zone carries are Alfred Morris, you know, and you're Keaton, you're a smart fantasy football owner, then you add it. Then you're like, okay, eventually he's going to get touchdowns. Eventually, this is how Kyle Shanahan is using him. He's going to fall into the end zone. I'm going to get him before he puts together a two or three touchdown performance and then everyone's claiming him off waivers. Yeah, I might have to pick him up after Bill Belichick cuts Jeremy Hill, who I drafted this weekend, ruining my Jeremy Hill is a good zero RB. That would be crushing. It would be crushing if you cut him because I was very much aboard the Jeremy Hill train because he looked phenomenal in that first preseason game. But the next LeGarrette Blunt, man, he's going to get 12 touchdowns undrafted, except by me. Except by Clack Bands. And I'm going to miss all 12 touchdowns. (laughs) I'm going to drop him for Alfred Morris, who's going to get injured in week two. Yeah. (laughs) All right. My final preseason overreaction. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is going to hold the Bears offense back. This is my most hot takey uh, of my uh, overreactions. But he really hasn't done anything to wow us so far in the preseason. He's made a couple nice plays here and there, but often he follows those up with very boneheaded turnovers, which kind of plagued him through his rookie year. Um, the Bears are hoping that their cut-and-paste attempt of the Rams strategy last year works out for them, but a lot of that rides on your quarterback being uh, actually good. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a little bit of strides taken by Mitch uh, at this point in the preseason. So if you're looking at Allen Robinson, if you're looking at Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, maybe even Kevin White, who scored his first NFL touchdown, shout out to him. Tariq Cohen, who we've talked about on this podcast and Matt Nagy system, maybe filling a Tyreek Hill-esque role. A lot of that rides on Mitchell Trubisky being actually pretty good. Um, And so I think 
the fact that we haven't really seen any strides out of him, especially when we're seeing other quarterbacks, rookies, sophomores, young quarterbacks looking pretty good in the preseason, the fact that Mitchell has not has me a little worried, I'd say. Yeah, this is a classic fantasy situation where 50% of the people that are really engaged and have opinions are going to be horribly wrong because we have half of the world anointing them as the next great thing. And then we have the other half of the world saying, did you watch any games last year? This team is not going to be good. If they win five games, that'd be a huge improvement. Where is this the next hot thing at offense coming from? And Mitchell Trubisky doesn't, like you said, he doesn't look that good. And we're talking preseason overreactions. So let's overreact. Uh, I don't know. Classic risk reward. I yeah. Mean, I mean, Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard is the only guy reliable to draft out of that team. I drafted him in one of my leagues. Yeah. Love it. Um, but yeah, like all of these teams, it's it's very common in that second season for a, for a quarterback to for teams to like stockpile him with you know weapons. That's all great. And for fantasy, we all love that. We're all like, yes, oh my gosh. Now Mitchell Trubisky has X, Y, and Z. The Bears have so many offensive weapons. Oh, Kansas City has now Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kittle and Travis Kelsey and all these guys. Like, oh, but they look great. All of that rides on the quarterback. You you overlook the fact that Allen Robinson's going to be good. He can do a lot, but he's only as good as Mitchell Trubisky is, is getting him the football. Now, I brought up Pat Mahomes, but Pat Mahomes has actually looked pretty dang good this preseason. Oh, the Chiefs look real good. Chiefs do look good. I drafted Sammy Watkins on my team, too. Speaking uh, of preseason overreaction, I have 180 on Pat Mahomes. I'm in. Woo! Clark is aboard the Pat Mahomes train. Oh. Um, but anyways, none, nevertheless, my point is Mitch would have liked to seen a, a little bit slash a lot a bit more from him before I was like, yeah, I'm going to just start buying high on bears receivers thinking that this is going to be the Rams again. But I guess then again, I mean, people who do their research, reach out to me, reach out to us. Jared Goff didn't look great in his first year. Maybe he didn't look good in the first preseason games too. I don't remember. I don't have time to remember that. Far I don't have time to remember that shit. What is this? My job? Anyways, for listeners, Pete then took a long pull from his red wine. You know, got to stay hydrated. Uh, So there you go. There's some preseason overreactions to lead you into the NFL season as it actually starts. Um, Two weeks are back. We got this show, which will come to your ears on Tuesday. So enjoy your Tuesdays. Um, And then we'll be back at you on Thursday. Um, and so we'll be back at you then. So get excited for the two weeks to be back. We talked about this on last week's, last week's show. If you are interested in an RB1 Fantasy League, hit us up uh, in our DMs at RB1 Podcast. Uh, we'd love to do this, but we're only going to do this if we get enough listeners to make it worth our while. Uh, Clark is you know Clark is in, Jordan's in, I'm in, Ginger Nick is in, uh, and I'm sure we can rope in a couple other of the fake teamers to to be a part of this league but really the whole point of this is we want to be interacting with you guys the listeners so if not enough of you guys are fully invested or interested in doing it we won't do it but if there are a, a strong contingent of you who are like yeah let's do a league then we're 100 percent in uh clark to purely and 100 percently entice these listeners teases with some of them prizes you were boasting about there will be a prize Ooh. i'm not going to reveal what the prize is it will likely be under $50, but it will be a prize. Ooh, well, I 
don't even know how I could say no to that. That is saucy right there. So like I said, uh, make sure to hit us up in our DMs at RB1 Podcast. Follow, because you have to do that in order to... Uh, direct message us so <laughs> it's gonna be tricky i have to i'm not good at following people back so well they're following the, the rb1 podcast and i'm oh, following okay. you clark good 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 oh, don't clark. don't follow me just the, the rb1 podcast yeah. at rb1 podcast follow us hit us up in our dms if you want to be a part of this league um and we'll also tweet something out uh saying as such uh follow myself at pdem rogers follow clark at nfl clark make sure to subscribe to us on itunes we will say this also in the in the little tweet out but if there are enough people to be interested in the league draft order will be determined by the first people to give us a review on itunes because yes we will sell ourselves out for uh reviews that's what it's all about uh We'll be back at you guys, not next week. I have to stop saying that because we'll be back at you on Thursday. Ah, we'll be back. Uh, Until then, peace.